You talking about football? Yeah, football. NFC North. Let's talk football. Welcome back, everybody. This is Headed North, an NFC North podcast, and I am your host, Detron. It is Tuesday, May the 30th, going into Wednesday, May the 31st. Are there 31 days in May? I'm sure there are. I've been on this earth long enough. I should know that. And we are talking NFC North football, of course, because that's what we do here. We're going to get the show kicked off with the Green Bay Packers. We're going to talk about the three things that Green Bay needs to do to make Jordan Love successful this year. We're talking wide receivers in Detroit, in Chicago, indecision at the defensive end, and in Minnesota, just defense. So that's our show for the day. We're going to break it up. But before we do, I'd like to tell you guys about our sponsor. Our sponsor is pretty consistent, just like us. Our sponsor is OffRackShop.com. OffRackShop.com. It's an online thrift store. They have men's and women's clothing, shoes, accessories, and more. So if you haven't already, make sure you go to OffRackShop.com racksshop.com or visit our show notes or links in the description you can get 15% off your complete order at offrackshop.com thank you guys for offrackshop for supporting us and now we're going to get it kicked off with the green bay packers all right packer fans let me tell you this i am going to back off of some of my jordan love hate for the day And I am going to talk about three things that Green Bay can do to make sure Jordan Love is successful this year. Because I want to see some competition in the NFC North. Actually, that's a lie. I don't want to see competition in the North. I would love for the Lions to run away with it. But for the sake of this show and your viewership, I want to tell you how Green Bay can at least make it a competition. So here's what Green Bay needs to do to make sure that Jordan Love is successful this year. First... Matt LaFleur is going to have to coach. Yup. Hey, Matt, the vacation that you've been on uh, is coming to an end. It's really nice to have a Hall of Fame quarterback because he can do a lot of the on-field coaching that coaches don't have to do. He can move people around. He can change the play. He has foresight. He can see what's happening. Not the same when you bring in someone like Jordan Love. So that means LaFleur is going to have to you know, draw up some really cool plays. Going to have to design the offense around what Jordan Love does well. And that's the second thing is they got to play to Jordan Love's strengths. When Matt LaFleur is out here building these plays for the Green Bay's offense to run, you've got to consider that Jordan Love coming out of Utah was a two-to-one touchdown and interception guy. He wasn't crazy accurate, uh, and he does not necessarily protect the ball when it gets in the air. He did have one really good year where he threw 32 touchdowns and six interceptions. That was like his sophomore year. But that following year, he came back and threw 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. So you don't want Jordan Love to have to put the ball in the air a ton. And Jordan Love is also not a running quarterback. He's not going to take off and get you... 20, 25, 30 yards uh, every time the play breaks down. So what you've got to do with Jordan Love is play to his strengths. He was a 64% completion guy in college, his college career. If you were to compare that to like NFL numbers, that would put him just below Daniel Jones and just better than Lamar Jackson when it comes to completion percentage. So he can complete the pass. But what you don't want to do is have him out there trying to make a bunch of decisions. This kid is a natural thrower. What you need to do is the third thing on my list. Surround him with playmakers and get the ball out quick. Uh, So if you're keeping track, 
LaFleur's got a coach, Jordan Love, they got to play to his strengths. And the last thing they got to do is surround him with those playmakers and get the ball out quick. You've got Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs who've shown that they can do stuff. You got Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon who have been good. Luke Musgrave who is new and Jaden Reed who is new. All of these individuals plus a pin and pull run scheme. You've got a lot there for Green Bay. Jordan Love just needs to not mess it up. And the way you do that is protect him. You make him into Brock Purdy. You don't force him to make any big plays unless he has to. Scheme around getting the ball out to your playmakers and quickly. This is how you make Jordan Love successful in Green Bay. LaFleur is coaching. They're playing the Jordan Love strengths. And you're getting that ball out of there quickly to playmakers. If you're doing that, Green Bay might be more than a four-win team. Here I go. Dumping on Green Bay again. You guys will probably win more than four games. At least if you follow this strategy, you'll win more than four games. But the Detroit Lions fan in me says, it's probably about time that you guys aren't good. I'm okay with this. You know? No. If you're a Green Bay fan, you're probably not okay with this. Well, at least I started the show with you guys. And now if you don't care about the rest of the other three teams, you can leave because I'm all done talking about Green Bay. Look, we're moving on to the Detroit Lions. And I am talking wide receivers, Detroit is in an interesting spot. They are the favorite by far to win the division. Uh, it would be the first time that they've won the NFC in since like 1990, I don't know, two, 1994, 96, somewhere in there. And we haven't been to a playoff since like 2016. So it is a very exciting time in Detroit. They are building a great team. You can tell I'm a fan. With that being said, though, there's still a space that the Detroit Lions have not addressed. And it's kind of concerning. Amon Ron St. Brown is clearly the number one on their receiving core. You know who the number two is? Well, right now it's going to be Khalif Raymond, which no knock on Khalif Raymond. He's he's cool. Uh, Josh Reynolds is in there. He's also cool. But Detroit needs another big receiver, another person who can catch 80, 90 passes, potentially 100 passes this year uh, to help take some of the load off of Amon Ron St. Brown and potentially somebody big so that Amon Ron can continue to work the slot uh, and eat because that's where he that's where he really gets his production is out of that slot position. Again, you've got all the woes with having to let go of two wide receivers because of the gambling scandal and then you've got two that are suspended for six games, one of those being Jameis Williams. Uh, so at least at the beginning of the year Detroit needs wide receivers there's a lot of talk around one particular person landing in Detroit and that's DeAndre Hopkins now here's a case for why DeAndre Hopkins might be a solid pickup in Detroit hear me out uh Hopkins is trying to get paid like a top five receiver which you know his production is TBD right now but coming off of the year that he had uh last year I don't I don't know if I want to pay him like a top five receiver. You're talking about someone who over the last two years, uh, he has caught less than 70 passes each of those two years. He's averaged, you know, about 640 yards over the course of each one of those years. And, you know, he's seen the end zone 11 times over the course of the last two years. That's not a whole lot to write home about, especially not the kind of individual that I need to pay. I don't know, 25 or 26 million dollars a year to put him in that top five category. And honestly, there's only a couple of teams that could even do that. That would be Chicago and Carolina. They're the only kind of people that can pay Hopkins top five money. 
He's like 31 years old, going on 31 years old. I don't see him getting top five money, which means if you bump him down just a little bit from that 25 or 26 per year, then you're probably looking at more of like, you know, 20 a year, 18, 19, 20 mil a year. If you do that, then you're opening up um, a couple of other teams that could potentially pay for it under the current salary cap, which would be Indy, Detroit, and then Arizona Cardinals, which clearly they just released him. So he's not going back to Arizona. So now you've got Chicago, Carolina, Indy, and Detroit. Indy is a mess. No one wants to go there. Maybe after after Anthony Richardson sort of kicks it in the gear, maybe that becomes a destination. But based on that uh, ownership, probably not. Uh, Chicago is still rebuilding, certainly not a favorite. And if you're talking about someone who's already 31 years old, he's probably looking for some contending teams, which then puts you with Carolina and Detroit. Carolina is a contender because their division is awful. And Detroit is clearly ahead of the division uh, in the opinion of most people coming into this year. So they have the money. They have the potential playoff opportunity. Bringing in DeAndre Hopkins could be a significant move for Detroit. And if only to protect uh, the body and the attention of Amon Ron St. Brown in the beginning of the year, provide Jared Goff an additional weapon to go along with the new tight ends that he just got, and then buy us some time to get Jameis Williams back. That way we can put an additional speedster on the field. This could be a really good move. But again, for all of the other reasons, not great production over the last two years, um, wanting to get top five money, uh, and then age, of course, is a factor. All those could be drawbacks for the Lions wanting to go and get DeAndre Hopkins. But I'll tell you who else is out there. Kenny Galladay, who's 29, is familiar with the organization, coming off of a $4.5 million deal last year, didn't do much in the way of production, but he could be more of a feature weapon here in Detroit. Uh, You also have Jarvis Landry, who's 30, and Sammy Watkins, the uh, journeyman who is also 29, are all available free agency, or all available free agents, excuse me. So if you're looking at The free agency market, DeAndre Hopkins, certainly the biggest name of all of those and could make the biggest impact, but is going to eat up a lot of available cap space with what it's reported that he's trying to get uh, per year. So just got to keep that in mind as Detroit Lions look to add additional weapons at the wide receiver position because they need it. Like if Amaran St. Brown goes down similar to what happened at the 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 Dallas Cowboys game, uh, it could get ugly. It didn't get ugly fast for the Lions. So they need another weapon. DeAndre Hopkins, I'd actually sign off on that deal, but only if we can get him for around 16 or $17 million a year. I know that's probably a stretch. He likely doesn't want that, but that doesn't matter to me if he wants it or not, is will he be willing to play for that and potentially to go to um, the playoffs? So that's what I got with Detroit. Now, looking at Chicago, uh, we are talking some indecision in Chicago and specifically some indecision and options for Chicago at the defensive edge position. That's one of the few areas that Chicago has not solidified in this offseason, which is really weird because they had a lot of draft capital. And I don't know if they just didn't feel like they could get the right player in the draft or if this just wasn't a focus for them. But it should be because their defense was was pretty bad last year. And so there's a couple of free agents 
out there in the NFL sphere that I think Chicago should be looking at. And these names have popped up with a lot of people. So probably first on that list is going to be Yannick Ngakwe. He's 28. He came from Indy. He's been in the league for a while. 15, he played 15 games last season, took 72% of the snaps, had nine and a half sacks, 29 tackles, 18 of those were solo, and he's coming off of a two-year, $26 million contract, which means he's affordable. He's young, he can still play significant number of downs, and he's got solo production. He would be the top edge that I would be going after if I were Chicago. He's not the only one, though. There are a couple other players out there floating around that could definitely make an impact in Chicago. Uh, Dwayne Smoot, 28 years old, coming out of Jacksonville. Last year, he played 15 games. He did end up with an Achilles injury, so that had a slight impact on him. He also only played 38% of the snaps last year, but... In that time, he was able to get five sacks, 21 tackles, 14 of those are solo. He's coming off of a two-year, $10 million deal. And again, with the injury in 2022 to the Achilles, who knows? He may be a very affordable option. And again, he's still fairly young, 28 years old. He could get you some additional production off that edge. Two other players out there floating around. These two Maybe less likely to bring them into Chicago unless you're looking for a, a bit more experience. You got Leonard Floyd. He's technically outside linebacker, but count him as an edge. He's 30 right now, coming off of his contract with the LA Rams. He took he played 17 games last season though, and he took 91% of the snaps with nine sacks, 59 tackles, 31 solo. Now I mentioned Ngakwe being 28. He played 72% of the snaps. Leonard Floyd played more than that. Leonard Floyd played all of his games. Leonard Floyd had just as many sacks, nearly, as Ngakwe. And he had more tackles. He also has the benefit of being a veteran with a championship. And the downside to that, he's coming off of a four-year, $64 million contract. So, uh, if he's willing to take less money to go and be a veteran presence somewhere, then Chicago is a potential landing spot. But what's the chances of that? Coming off of having a ring, being a champion, getting this massive contract, and then to go to someone who is currently not a contender for even the playoffs uh, and uh, taking a, 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 a decreasing your pay. I don't know if that's going to fly. And then lastly, a similar situation who's available right now, but doesn't necessarily look like they would be the perfect fit for Chicago is going to be Frank Clark, 29 out of uh, Kansas City. He played 15 to 17 games last season, took a little more than half of the snaps, 61% of the snaps, only five sacks, 39 tackles, 25 of which were solo. He's coming off of a two-year, $30 million contract, but he also got two rings in the last four years. Now, similar to what I said with Leonard Floyd, if you're looking for a veteran presence, you're potentially gonna get Frank Clark for cheaper, but is he looking to play for another contender? He may be content with getting two rings, right? He may just wanna go and get paid and then become, again, a veteran presence for that Chicago team, but I'm guessing not. I'm guessing he's gonna go look for a payday and or a team that can at least put him back in playoff contention and potentially Super Bowl. 
So this is why I'm sort of leaning toward Ngakwe for Chicago Bears to go after. They need a defensive edge. That defense suffered last year. They went and got some players in the draft for the defensive secondary. They need to go and shore up that defensive line. And that edge position is the most critical need that they have right now. All right. And lastly, we are talking defense in Minnesota. And more specifically, continuity and the lack thereof. I harp on Minnesota and their defense a lot. I also have some real hope for Brian Flores in that position. But one of the things I want to point you guys to, if you haven't read up on Minnesota recently, is a lack of continuity coming into 2023. So I read a story by Dustin Baker over at the VikingTerritory.com. He had a write-up about the new look in Minnesota. And one of the striking stats that he points to in that story is 63% of the starting defense for the Minnesota Vikings is anticipated to be different. 63%. That's like, I don't know. I don't know math, but 7 of 11, 8 of 11 maybe, somewhere in that ballpark. I think it's 7 of 11 people are going to be different on that starting defense. That's pretty significant. I mean, you already know that they sent away Zadarius Smith, Cam Dantzler, uh, Kendricks, Peterson, Tomlin, Duke Shelley, Chris Boyd, and a bunch of other, Sullivan. All of these are like defensive starters. So Minnesota sends them away. And then, the, and then in the offseason, they pick up eight free agents, six rookies from the draft, and 17 undrafted free agents. Buckets. Oh, buckets. Like Minnesota's defense is changing and changing in a dramatic way. But here's what I'll say. Change doesn't have to always be bad. There are literally whole industries dedicated to helping people and organizations embrace change. And that's what they need to do in Minnesota. Embrace it. And heck, and look on the bright side. Minnesota ranked 31 in opposition's passing yards per game, right? Their opponents were throwing the ball on them basically all game. They weren't very good yet they still won 13 games last season. Numbers alone don't tell the whole story, but it does make for a pretty interesting cover page. Look, Dustin Baker pointed out that the defense last year was opportunistic, and that was the key to them winning critical games when it mattered. They ended up having 15 interceptions last year, but they also gave up the third most yards per attempt in the air. Again, being opportunistic, when the moment presents itself, they took advantage of it. So what's my point? I tell you all of these things about their defense, which all seem to be conflicting, and I gotta be pointing you to something. Here's what I'm pointing you to. There is a saying, I'm pretty sure you've heard it before, I'd rather be lucky than good. Last year, the Minnesota Vikings defense was more lucky than they were good. And only a fraction of that defensive starting group is going to still be in the building next year. So the real question is, can Brian Flores take a bottom performing defense and get them to mid-grade? And does that make the team all that much better? I mean, improving the defense, is it inherently better than just getting lucky for Minnesota? I don't know. They got lucky last year and won 13 games. But I guess we'll all find out with this upcoming season. We got about 100 days left until the season gets kicked off. I can't wait. I hope you can't either. 
If you are still here, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for coming along today's show. I am Detron. This is Headed North. And if you decide to come back next week, which I hope you do, make sure you got your bags packed because we are headed north. Peace. You talking about football? Yeah. Football. NFC. North. Now let's talk.